Welcome to Insights. This is Paul Ellis, Managing Director of Ellis Wealth Management, where we encourage you to invest in what you love. Ellis Wealth Management is an independent financial services firm focused on planning, advice, coaching, and investment management. We are dedicated to the families we serve, and we encourage you to invest in what you love. Within Insights, we look at ways to make our world richer through focusing on sharing, and developing human capital. Well, all right. What a great day it is in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, and I am really pleased to have a very, very special guest with us today. We have Andrew Evans. Andrew serves as an executive vice president of TAG Advisors, that stands for the Atlantic Group Advisors, and he's a securities principal uh, registered through Cambridge Investment Research. He works with our branch network um, in two major areas, field development and supervision. Andrew works directly with advisor relationships to grow the field and maintain operational oversight in daily compliance. Andrew's also directly involved with helping advisors, producers transition to our group, the TAG Advisors group, and ensure that their onboarding to Cambridge is successful. He served as president of the NAFA in Pittsburgh. Additionally, he's been on the board of the Center for Theater and Arts since 2010, and he served as treasurer as well uh, back in 2012 with that organization. It's a real pleasure for me to bring uh, today this conversation with Andrew, Andrew Evans. Andrew, how are you today? Great. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought all that up, and I guess, I guess my, work here, my work here is done, right? We're good? I got tired. My- I got to tell you, my friend, I, I'm tired just reading it. Sounds like a, sounds like a full-time career. It's a lot of words. A lot of work. <laughs> well, just so pleasure, pleasure to have me on. Thank you. I, well, I, I really appreciate you inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. Listen, uh, just so that people know, full disclosure, um, I work with Andrew. Andrew is what would be considered my supervisor in the hierarchy of Ellis Wealth Management and compliance and oversight as it interfaces with Cambridge. Um, and it's been a real pleasure working with you over the the years that we've been working together. And I thought it would be a great opportunity for you to share what you do. How do you see the industry changing in this independent space? And share with our audience, uh, what is TAG Advisors? And how does that inter- interface with Cambridge? Does, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Let me, um, I think the best place to begin is um, kind of starting with, with who is TAG. Um, without getting too far into history, talk about the now. Uh, so we uh, are, we are considered by Cambridge uh, what's called an enterprise group. 
classically known as the Super OSJ. Um, they changed up their lexicon a few years ago, decided to call it Enterprises and no longer Super OSJ, and that's fine. And really what, what we've become, and, and this is also a taste of where we're going, where I feel we're going in the industry, um, we're, we become more of where when broker-dealers get larger and larger and larger, they always lose something culturally. They always lose portions of their connectivity with their people. Basically, you know, a, a, a lost touch to the field. But an organization like us, we fill that gap. Um, we fill that, you know, that that um, uh, relational gap, that uh, field knowledge gap, that uh, that high touch, you know, um, engagement. That's where we fill in. Much like the way, you know, the um, uh, the smaller regional BDs of, of the past acted um you know back when um uh uh oh who am i thinking of like when ag edwards existed now mm -hmm. ag edwards was the same but it wasn't it, it was it certainly not ubs but still people liked ag edwards they enjoyed working there and then you know when that gets you know acquired you lose something now you're part of this other large conglomerate and so things go on so right now um that our enterprise, what TAG is, is we're a collection of um, 335 plus uh, independent advisors across the country, and we strive to be the premier firm for independent entrepreneurial advisors who want to grow and thrive in their business. We bring that through direct knowledge of the business, operational understanding, connection with the broker dealers, with connection with the RIA, um, and really our experiences distilled down to everybody that we work with, and then collectively through the firm. Um, so that's what TAG is. Um, let's see here. Where are we going? Is that where you'd like me to take this next, Paul? Yeah, I, like where I but we used a couple of terms there, and for our, our sure. listeners that don't know what the acronyms are, because we make up acronyms faster than a baker creates bread a a bd a broker dealer is what oh uh a you know an organization a federally registered organization to help um uh coordinate transactions to uh clear trades of securities you have to have an organization that uh books a trade can take the order fill the order move on report it to Reported to the feds in a timely manner. That's at its core what a broker-dealer is going to do. So for people who are looking for this is like that, think of a small community bank. And then that small community bank gets purchased by or connected to a larger bank. And then that larger bank may have more branches um, but that branch, that bank, could also be absorbed by, let's say, Bank of America or Wells Fargo or um, Chase. And that's where the small, local, natural market institutions, that small bank becomes a you know, slightly bigger bank, when they go, when they're absorbed into the, some of these bigger institutions, that culture that you had going to that corner branch or that corner bank and the way that they did things and the way that they laid out cookies and, and coffee and 
uh, their relationship with the community. Sometimes that changes. And what you're sharing is, is that TAG is a way to work with independent advisors that make up over 300 independent advisors. And while they're working together, connected to a national presence, the culture has, um, it, 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 TAG gives a, an opportunity for a local and consistent culture throughout those independent branches. Does that make sense? Do I have that about right? Yes, yes sir. Okay. Yes. Terrific. So in the independent space, I'm an independent, I, I own an independent firm. It's connected to TAG Advisors, and we clear through, you know, Cambridge, right? We're, we're with Cambridge. Where do you see the independent space? Where do you see that going in the future? I expect from as I've seen it, I came into the business in the early 2000s, full and fair disclosure. And at that time, things were still pretty dominated in a um, in a more you know um, regional, but plus the large wirehouses, which would be the names of UBS, a Merrill Lynch, a Morgan Stanley, uh, Smith Barney still existed back then too. Mm-hmm. Um, in Witter did as well. Mm-hmm. So you know these, um, and those are all based on you know some heavy transactions. They like transactions, um, and not to again rehash history too much, but little by little you saw all that consolidate and it's there's still consolidation now but whenever those whenever that that gets tighter and you see it in the industries you're mentioning the bank um it then starts to then people say you know what um i don't believe that i philosophically align with wells fargo anymore they have things that they want to do from a shareholder perspective or from a board perspective that you know what, that doesn't align with me um, business-wise or we'll say, you know, in my business ethics or, or really what I want people to think of me. I don't align with that. I'm going to now look for either a firm that does or, and this is where I see us going, or I'm going to establish my own identity, my own firm name, my own brand that really tells the story of who I am and the type of people that I want to help service and be with. So all that say, I expect the independent world to grow significantly uh, over the over the coming years. Now that doesn't mean that you know those you know the the stalwarts of the, of the industry, the business, the names you've heard won't be there. I just fully expect you'll see more um, bespoke, privately held firms grow much like Ellis Wealth Management um, because you can provide a more in-depth relationship one-on-one with somebody than a corporate, somewhat distilled um, conveyor belt process, you know, uh, way of engaging with somebody. And, and why I think that's going to grow, why that's important, because that's what the people want, Paul. People, people really don't want, well, just because it's the cheapest or just because it's the flashiest doesn't mean that people want that. People always want to know that they have someone that has their back, 
that has their interests in mind in mind that acts as their fiduciary and is thinking about their best interests. So you, you, you start to lose that the more corporate you get or how much larger the corporation gets or how much more has to be traded for the, for the shareholders or for the bondholders and so forth. Not that there's anything wrong with that, to quote Seinfeld. But some of us like to keep it um, close, like to keep it connected, um, and just provide a more in-depth relationship with individuals. And we really can't always do that in a corporate setting, in a large corporate setting. So I see the independent channel growing more um, into more of uh, really advisory, the idea of transactional business um, or the old um, insurance agency. Um, that's changing. It's still there. I feel like it's trying to like, grip on for its life to keep going. But true, open-ended, straightforward guidance from somebody who knows a family, who knows an individual, and truly cares about the success that they have. I see it growing. I think that's true. I think that's true. I think that during the pullback in 2008, when you saw the collapse of Merrill Lynch and you saw uh, Lehman go away and Dean Witter and some of the others and the items that came out in the news, you, a lot of people began to feel that those companies were looking after the the company's interest, but they weren't looking after the client's interest, right? And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, especially successful people, but all people really, want to know that who they're working with understands their personal issues, um, their personal challenges, how their family is structured, what family is to them, because it's not cookie cutter, Right, we've got more blended marriages today. There's more. Uh, there's families with special needs, and not everything is a one size fits all solution. Mm -hmm. And to be able to sit down and speak with people who know you, understand you, and will help craft what's best for you along alongside of you, without a heavy hand saying. We want you to lean towards this, so we want you to lean towards that. I think that bespoke, tailored approach is going to be more important moving forward than it has been even in the past. Absolutely. So as you're speaking with, you obviously work with Ellis Wealth Management, but you also work with other firms throughout the U.S. Um, what are some of the unique things that you see, and what are some of the really the uh, the similarities, and what are some of the concerns that you see that on the horizon, we as a group or we as in, uh, definitely as individuals uh, are going to need to be aware of? You know, I, the unique things that I see, because um, there's a couple of unique things, a lot of it has to do with how how people engage. Um, and I, I'd say it, I, I do see a lot more, um, the use of a, a zoom or a Google meet has been used in interesting ways. Um, like 
not just, you know, during the whole, you know, um, as, as we've been dealing with the ongoing pandemic, um, where, you know, the standard would be, oh, well, I just do a video conference. And that's great. Well, that's not neat. That's not unique at all. But what I, but what has become unique is that someone will now do that meeting and then very easily pull in another expert to help them. Let's say uh, they can then say, all right, well, Paul, you and I are going to speak on your uh, estate plan. So they start, start to review. Oh, and also I brought in the attorney. They're going to also join us on this call to address some things we caught in your trust document. Mm -hmm. You know, that, mm -hmm. that's a little, you know, really, really leverage. There's leveraging technology and then there's really going for it. If I can, if I can touch and engage all of these people at one point in time, I'm going to do that now. Um, and to, to your credit, Paul, remember we did that a few months ago yes. with, with, with one of your clients, yes. um, various different places across the country to have a really wonderful conversation right away. And we could see each other and talk and share information, uh, to help them get, get through what they needed. So I always find that to be very unique, more that you, you can, um, not just leverage technology, but what's the new way to do that by pulling people in from across the country to talk right now. Um, there's been a lot more use of um, risk tools. Um, that's been a lot more uh, useful, I'd say, because it, it's starting to show people um, it, it's not the, the, the day in, day out, which um, I think a lot of people have ever taken like a risk questionnaire. You know, if this or that happened in the market, how would you feel? What is your age? What's your income? Mm -hmm. So on. But some of these newer ones are getting really in-depth about how you truly feel. It, it's almost like taking a, um, like a, um, uh, one of those personality exams. Um, you know, we've used the Colby exam, which rates, you know, your personality and, and not really tells you who you are, but just how you respond to the world around you and how you react with things. And a lot of these risk profilers now, there, there's some new ones that have come up that really go into your behavior, not just, you know, how you feel if Apple swings up 10% or down 10%. Mm -hmm. It's really behavior analysis. And, and I found that to be very unique. Um, the, um, where I see we, where we always have challenges going forward, which, um, and, and this, this is for anyone in business, I think, not just our industry, Paul, but anywhere is the understanding um, and the ability to either uh, adapt or change um, or, or make your voice heard uh, from a regulation standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, we, um, I, I've always found that, that we, we've got a lot of regulation. We have a lot of regulation for a lot of good reasons. But we also have a lot of reg regulation for a lot of poor decision making by two or three people in a certain period of time. Um, it, it truly is. Um, we get a lot of uh, issues as an industry. You know, there's 400 some thousand of us, uh, a very, very, you know, large number um, who are licensed working in this industry. But, you know, a... Um, uh, the name's escaping me. The guy, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio played him the, in, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, mm -hmm. um, his name, uh, or, you know, a, a, um, or a Bernie Madoff. They do something bad. 
we are all punished because of it. So <laughs> right. it's things like that. It's like, so if you are in this business, you need to, you, you got to go long compliance. I mean, it, it doesn't let up. Um, it is what it is. And you need to be able to adapt to what happens. The harder challenge I think that we have as advisors, the longer we're in the business is, how can we do our best to fulfill our duty to our clients, but also translate that the other way to prove to a regulator that we've done what we're supposed to do? So that's always a challenge. So we always we're, we're very keen on, um, you know, if you're doing that risk profiler, I just talked about take copious notes, mm-hmm. really understand the client, really make sure that. Um, you're, you're, you're following through that you have taken initiative, um, and you have jotted that down in, in the notes about them in your meeting interactions, uh, so that on both sides, um, regulators are happy. You've checked boxes that they needed to be checked. You can show the due diligence you did, but then that also translates to a really wonderful experience for your client and they succeeded in what they want to achieve doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes we really want to work with people um, and we really want to make something happen, but we just can't do it for one reason or the other. The ability to calmly and professionally tell them, you know, I'm sorry, I can't help you in that world. And conversely, you know, be able to justify that back to a regulator saying like, yeah, well, we don't do that. And this is why we had to pass on this. I liken it. I think he had one other question in there too. I'm sorry, Paul. No, no, I, I was going to say I liken it to the difference between a seasoned custom tailor and a internet custom tailor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, get, getting your measurements, okay, you know, and get a jacket that will actually fit the length of a person's arm, right? Uh, that will actually cover, you know, their chest in a particular manner, right? Double breast, single breast whatever the style of the jacket is, right? But that's not the same as a seasoned tailor. Seasoned tailors want to want to know, are you right-handed or are you left-handed? What do you do for a living? Do you have any challenges? Can you raise your hand this way and that way, right? Um, what are you going to... How you big gonna, is your watch? You know, like, yeah. the, like I've had somebody ask me, well, tell me about your watch. Mm-hmm. How big is it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else we need to know, Right. Um, do you have, you know, how, how is your flexibility, right? All of these things go into building the suit or the clothing in a way that allows the owner to actually wear that item in perfect relation with who they are, what are their limits, um, and, you know, what is it that they're, they're looking for that suit to do. And you pay for that, but that's the difference of really understanding how is this how is this really going to fit in the life of a person and i think it goes the same way with risk tolerance questionnaires um they're not just a baptism you know or a sprinkling what they really are meant to do is to get a really good understanding of who this client is what are their concerns about their their finances um and help tailor suggestions and solutions that are going to fit with the way that they live, the way that they think, and the way that they're going to be moving. 
Now, that that's a different way of looking at things, and I think that that's what you're talking about is not only notating from a regulatory standpoint, but understand the spirit and the reason behind behind that risk tolerance questionnaire. Do I have that right? Oh, yes, sir. No doubt about it. Oh, you know, and, and I think too, you can, you, you, you know, other people, you could see it the same way. And I know you've ex- had experience with this is that, um, if you, um, if you're playing football and you're, you have to wear a helmet. Well, there's a real big difference between if you just put on a helmet versus who made it. What's the padding? What position are you? What kind of vision do you need to have? Um, tell me about the weight of it. All these things go into. How you're going to wear this helmet? Yes. Very different. Yes, very, very good. Very. You good. just put on a helmet. You know, here's a here's a piece of piece of leather, or here's this thing. Here, it's 1962. Put this thing on your head. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, the the future is now. There's <laughs> technology. There's intelligence. Let's we can take our time to really understand what are we solving for. And you can see that on the sidelines when a player, whether it's at the college level or the pro level, they they they're looking for it. They get their helmet, um, you know, it's their helmet. And if they if somebody gives them the wrong one, they're giving it back. They can tell immediately, yep. um, this this isn't mine. All right. Now the beautiful thing about your your um, experience is you started off at Merrill Lynch. You started off at Merrill Lynch, and so you understand the oh. Merrill Lynch culture. Correct? Well, no. Technically, um, I actually started at Raymond James and & Associates and then moved to Merrill Lynch. Ah, okay. Okay. So, so- I went from, from a wonderful, you know, um, smaller regional broker-dealer to, as we would say in the industry, kind of the granddaddy of them. And then from Merrill, you went to Charles Schwab, Right. Mm-hmm. And yep. you you went to a few other places, so your understanding of the business and these different cultures really helps you in your role in working with advisors that are coming from different areas. You understand that there are different cultures, and you understand how they work together. Their similarities and their differences. Yes. <laughs> and 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 I find yes, that, sir. <laughs> and I find that to be really that that was really refreshing for me um when I was interviewing Cambridge and I was interviewing uh tag advisors um that that you understood some of my history some of these different cultural um experiences because those working at Merrill Lynch for example was very there was there were some really wonderful things about that culture. There were some really wonderful things that I had learned in my, you know, uh 10, 13, 14 years there. Right? And your understanding of that was very, very helpful. Same with Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo's got some um some terrific people there. And by having a view or an understanding of some of these different cultures then we at TAG can can assist people that are looking to go independent, and we're not necess- we're not asking them to renounce their cultural um, upbringing. We're we're able to incorporate that. 
Is, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the idea of I, I, you don't have to reject everything that you've ever known or ever done. You, if, if you have a just a difference of business philosophy of where things want to go, well, I understand where you're coming from, and I could show you how you can do what you need to do inside of the constructs that we have here. It's completely doable. It's open architecture. Or not necessarily open architecture, but open network. Mm-hmm. Open network can allow you to do what you want to do within you know the limitations of what we have compliance wise. Right, right. Handed down by the regulators. So what are some of the unique skills uh, in addition to that that you have found to be very helpful in your role? And what are some of the unique skills that you have seen very successful advisors deploy? I, it, it's, I don't think that there's, there's, there's necessarily um, one truly is better than the other because mm, everybody is a little bit different here and there. Um, I think the tie that binds all of those um, is your ability to engage with questions and your ability to listen to the answers and provide back empathy mm. to, to whatever degree on all of those things is the degree, but it's it's a certain line of asking questions, understanding the answers, and responding with empathy that I've seen um, that is that is a, a, a certain set of skills, as Liam Neeson would say, um, that I see have, have really helped, you know, um, advisors continue. And I wouldn't even say, you know, successful versus unsuccessful. I mean, I mean, it's, it's very plain. If you don't want to ask questions and you don't want to listen, you're not going to be successful whatsoever. So let's just take that off the table. <laughs> take you that off the table right things. now. Yeah. Like you have to do those things. Um, but you know, but I wouldn't say that even somebody who has been doing this business for, for a long time, and let's say they make, you know, a, a, a good income and they're not necessarily growing, but they're very happy in what they do. They're still doing all of that to a certain degree or to a certain, you know, shade of color. Um, the ones who are trying to, let's say, grow an enterprise on their own, it, it's, you know, it, it's, the, it's the quiet coyote rule. You know, if you make your hand look like a coyote um, or if you're a Texas Longhorn fan, um, you know, you, you got two ears and one mouth. You should listen twice as much as you talk. So the skills of being able to, you know, actively, in-depthly question something and listen very well and provide empathy back that's where I think people are, can be the most successful. Um, and, and I'd say for what I do, if you don't mind continuing on, um, that's, that's probably the thing that I focus on the most is uh, a, a line of, um, of asking questions that go to the heart of why we're talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and Paul, if you remember the first two questions I ever asked you was tell me where it hurts and what do you want to be when you grow up? 
Because in the end, that's really what we're talking about is, you know, what is causing you or, or anyone to make a change? Why do we need to make a change? Why are we, you know, even exploring a possibility of changing what our life is? Because as humans, we love comfort. We love to be comfortable. The less work we have to do, the better. We're, we're just, that's just how it works. So if we're going to make a change, what is driving, what's the root cause of that change? Where does it hurt? And then the where you want to be when you grow up is, is really the, the next line of, okay, so if we make this change, what do we want to see happen? Where do we want to go for the next few years? And so the first one is to understand, is this really the time to talk? And then the second one is now to get into that, that open network of, well, let's talk about the realm of possibilities that you could possibly do. Let's talk about the wonderment of, of the brand that you have. Let's talk about how much you love talking and working with your clients, how you want to help your clients you know, uh, retire to Guadalajara, Mexico, whatever it is. Um, right. Now let's talk about that. Let's be expansive in our discussion. So I, 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 I found that, you know, my ability to do what I do um, is, is, a, is some, some art. There's some art there, um, some background knowledge of all these different systems that all these different companies have. Um, but I, I do put a lot of, focus on on the science of my questioning um, to go just a little bit deeper get a little bit understanding of a situation understand implications of decisions more than anything else mm -hmm. what is the implication of this decision are you ready to live with that because it's not always you know perfect but we know that we're going to get you there I, I, I referenced before, um, I know you've heard me do this, I believe so. Mm -hmm. um, I referenced uh, the movie Shawshank Redemption and Andy Dufresne, played by Tim Robbins. Okay, the implication, you know, like you're going to crawl through that sewer pipe, Andy Dufresne, you're going to break out of prison. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to crawl through that pipe? Okay. And what happens on the other side? Gets to Mexico, freedom is there, so on and so on. But that's what it's like. Is are you ready to crawl through that pipe to make this happen? And that's what I'm assessing. Is that person ready to crawl through the pipe and come to freedom and run their own business, um, really work with their clients the way that they want to? You know, it reminds me of a book that I saw many, many years ago. Um, I think it was entitled the next time I get engaged or questions to ask before I get the next time I get engaged or something like that along those lines. Right. And the questions, it was a hoot to read because the questions were much deeper the second time around, <laughs> you know? And I think what you're sharing here is if you're going to make the effort to literally pick up your business and move it, to another platform you really want to make sure that a you want to do it and b you have a really good idea of what it's going to look like before you make that effort do i have that correct yep absolutely yeah yeah and and you know a lot of a lot of business owners too i i'd say this um i saw this great stat um this might be a little off topic, but for something that you said really stirred this, is um, for all the people that you talk to 
35% of them do want to do business with you, but not right now, Mm -hmm. but they do. So you have to be patient. And I found that what's really paid off um, in this, because what you're saying right there, you ready to move that whole thing. You ready to, they're not ready right now. They want to, they know they want to, but they're not ready right now. So you have to have patience and empathy to help them through. I think that's true. I think that's true. There was a a psychologist, I should say, psychologist, that spoke at an event at Wells Fargo when I was moving from Merrill to go independent and and initially start my platform at, at, at Wells. And this gentleman spent a very good amount of time. And one of the things he said is, um, this is not only a decision, it's an emotional decision. And if you take a look at the stress levels of different things, getting married, moving, someone passing in the family, you know, all these different things, right? Um, Moving your business incorporates three to five of those it, it's not just a quick decision mm-hmm. and you're and the and the emotional reflex that you're going to have is going to incorporate three to five of those things and it takes time so make sure that you're ready and I think mm-hmm. and, and I and I'll always remember that and I think I, I think it's the same with clients you know when they are about to make a change generally speaking they don't wake up one day and say I just want to make a change They've been thinking about it a while, and they may want to work with you, or they may want to work with somebody else. But you have to understand that it's not merely them doing this transaction. There is a lot behind that, and it affects them as well, right? It's a brand-new relationship. And so to your point, honoring people, honoring their emotions, honoring their history, their goals, we do the same at TAG for our advisors as we do for clients that are coming to, to work with our advisors. And I think you do a terrific job of that. I really do. I think you do a terrific job. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So as we wrap up, um, this is, I'm so pleased that we were able to spend time together today. Thank you for sharing. I wanted our audience to be able to get a peek behind the curtain, you know, see, see, you know, how does TAG do things? How does Cambridge do things? What are the thoughts behind this? Um, And hopefully they understand today that there's a lot of preparation, history, professionalism, and, um, and forethought that comes into what we do and how we do it at the, at the enterprise level, TAG, uh, Cambridge does a wonderful job and then our indep- independent individual firms are also taking these same approaches. And you, you lead that up. You, you, uh, we, we have an executive call uh, every week, and you guys do a terrific job of supporting the culture and, uh, and leading us forward. On the way out the door, what are a couple of things that you're curious about outside of work? I mean, outside of our day-to-day, what, what are some things that you're interested in and you're curious about? You know, I've, I've, I've always 
love um I've always loved uh the old um sci-fi and fantasy books. Mm. Um the Lord of the Rings, uh the Dune series. Um this will be very this is the nerdy section of the uh of the interview. Mm-hmm. And as of as of late, I have been really um you know, watching and or reading um all the uh uh I guess um uh, fan created uh, videos on YouTube and so forth and other podcasts. So people really have dug into the lore of all of these books and here's how this happened. And they, then they've pulled out all these like small little sections of wording mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. uh, and say, Oh, and this is, this person did this at this time and this, and here's this timeline. I just find that fascinating um, that that became their hobby and they're just having a wonderful time with it. Absolutely. So that, that's one thing for me. Um, that's, that's, that's always, you know, that's, that's, that's a, I don't want to say it's a curiosity, but it's, 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 it's always like wonderful to learn a little bit more, a little, go a little bit more in depth as to, um, you know, why something was written the way that it was in a book. I really like that. Um, and we're, we're, we're a formula one, uh, household. We, we got into uh formula one a, a few years back and, um, I am now keeping my eye on the uh the 2022 Miami Grand Prix mm. uh which should ran on May 8th of next year I am keeping an eye on that to get tickets to that uh I am I'm really excited to uh get myself involved uh in that one right there so get a little bit of the fantasy the lord of the rings dune sci-fi all of that and mm, racing's pretty fun too I really like well, I think that's on May. I think it's May of next year, isn't it? The inaugural Miami yes, Grand Prix. Yes, sir. Oh, that would be excellent. Well, who knows? Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll get a hall pass and be able to go down and and uh, spend some time there with you. Well, I think you should. I, I, I'm sure you could get a flight here. You could get a boat. It might take you a little while, but I know you could get a flight. <laughs> For sure. The longest trip in the United States from one point diagonally down to the other point. I've done it yeah, before. And full and fair disclosure, I'm not in Miami, but I am in Florida. Yes, yes. But to go to the Miami Grand Prix, that would be from here, that diagonal line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, listen, my friend, I want to thank you for your time. I truly, truly appreciate it. The... um. If anyone has any questions regarding TAG, how could they email you? Uh, best place to get me is, um, you know, my name, uh, A. Evans, E-V-A-N-S, at tagadvisors.us. I always say advisors because sometimes people put an E there. Mm. Not advisor, advisors.us, tagadvisors.us. Excellent. Excellent. Well, listen, I want to thank you for spending time with us today, and I want to encourage everyone to always invest in what you love. <laughs>